0: Section 14 of Boy's Book of Famous Soldiers This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shiromi Arserio. Boy's Book of Famous Soldiers by J. Walker McSpadden Roberts, Part 2 The great mutiny in which Roberts and many other British soldiers was to be plunged, had its immediate cause in a strange thing greased cartridges how so insignificant a thing could have started so great a trouble is one of the strange true stories of history there were of course other contributory factors but this was the match that touched off the magazine at this time england employed a great many native troops to be exact there were about two hundred and fifty seven thousand while the british regulars numbered only thirty six thousand The latter were outnumbered seven to one. The Ordnance Department adopted a new rifle, the Enfield, at this juncture, and sent a consignment to India. The cartridges for the rifle were greased for easy loading, and were to be bitten by the soldiers. This last act at once set the Sepoy soldiers in an uproar. It was against their religious scruples to touch meat of any kind, and they heard it stated that the objectionable cartridges were greased with pigs and cows fat. As soon as the commanding officers saw the trouble, They ordered that the cartridges be withdrawn, but the mischief was done. The mutiny which flared up here among the native soldiers spread quickly from city to city. Runners went from camp to camp, urging that they throw off the hated British yoke. In some places no written or verbal message was exchanged. A basket of unleavened cakes was brought in and broken by way of prearranged signal. After the first outbreaks, councils of war were hurriedly held on the part of the British officers, and field expeditions organized one of the officers colonel neville chamberlain was assigned to the command of what was called the movable column or chief army of pursuit roberts was made one of his staff officers the most wonderful piece of good fortune that could come to me he says shortly afterward chamberlain was made adjutant general to the army before delhi and then came orders for all the artillery officers to join in this attack roberts was to see active service at last he found himself under fire at delhi for the first time on june thirtieth eighteen fifty seven while it was only a skirmish it was a lively one while it lasted with some eleven hundred men and a dozen guns major coke went on an expedition against a troublesome group of rebels and roberts accompanied him as a staff officer when the enemy appeared the only way to reach them in time was by crossing a swamp another troop of rebels unexpectedly appeared in force but were put to rout a few days later a similar skirmish occurred which for a time looked more serious. Roberts was posted across a road with a squad of men and two guns. The enemy attacked them with a cross-fire. How he and his band escaped is a mystery. During their enforced retreat, Roberts felt a stinging sensation in his back, but managed to keep going. It was found afterwards that his life had been saved by the slipping of his knapsack down from his shoulders. This had been penetrated by a bullet which had entered his body close to his spine. Its force had been broken, but the wound was still so severe as to lay him up for several weeks. The almost superhuman difficulties which lay in the path of this handful of Englishmen scattered throughout India are summed up in a letter by another officer, Hodson, as follows, The whole country is a steaming bog. I keep my health wonderfully, thank God, in spite of heat, hard work and exposure, and the men bear up like Britons. We all feel that the government ought to allow every officer and man before delhi to count every month spent here as a year of service in india there is much that is disappointing and disgusting to a man who feels that more might have been done but i comfort myself with the thought that history will do justice to the constancy and fortitude of the handful of englishmen who have for so many weeks months i may say of desperate weather amid the greatest toil and hardship resisted and finally defeated the worst and most strenuous exertions of an entire army and a whole nation in arms an army trained by ourselves and supplied with all but exhaustless munitions of war laid up by ourselves for the maintenance of the empire i venture to aver that no other nation in the world would have remained here or have avoided defeat had they attempted to do so the story of the rise and fall of the indian mutiny is the story of the life of roberts insofar as the rise is concerned His was an inconspicuous but well-played part. Acting as staff officer and lieutenant of a gunner's company by turns, he was always in the thick of it. If it were the command of guns at a difficult salient before Delhi, it was—Send Roberts! If it were an urgent message for more ammunition at Agra—Send Roberts! If it were an escort for the rescued women and children at the historic relief of Lucknow—Send Roberts! This slender, undersized officer, in spite of his physique, seemed indefatigable he had several narrow escapes from death in hand-to-hand encounters with sepoys once a mutineer fired point-blank at him at twelve yards away but for some providential reason robert's horse reared just at the moment of firing and received the bullet in his own head at another time a fanatic danced out in front of his horse waving a turban to frighten it and at the same time whirling a wicked-looking scimitar round his head robert drew his pistol but the weapon missed fire The fanatic sprang forward, and it is probable that the career of a future field-marshal would have ended then and there, had not a lancer spurred his horse in between and run the fellow down. On still another occasion his presence of mind saved the flag from capture and brought him the first of his many honours, the Victoria Cross. An assault had been made on the village of coot and the pursuit was being followed up in brave style, when some of the rebels suddenly faced around and took steady aim at those who were charging them. Roberts was of the party, and had gone to the rescue of a man who was on the verge of being run through by a bayonet, when he saw two sepoys running off with the Union Jack. He spurred his horse in pursuit, and, leaning over, wrenched the standard out of the hands of one of the men, at the same time sabering him. The other sepoy took advantage of the opportunity to take steady aim at Roberts, point-blank, but the weapon missed fire. Roberts returned with the flag, and for reward of his gallant action, was given the V.C., that most coveted of British decorations another officer in writing of the event says roberts is one of those rare men who to uncommon daring and bravery in the field and unflinching hard-working discharge of duty in the camp adds the charm of cheery and unaffected kindness and hospitality in the tent and his acquaintance and friendship are high prizes to those who obtain them with the end of the mutiny roberts was sent to england on sick leave for a much-needed rest in april eighteen fifty eight exactly six years after his arrival at calcutta He turned over his duties of deputy assistant quartermaster-general to his successor, though much against his will. He felt that again he was in danger of being put upon the shelf, and his intensely active nature longed for still further field service. In a little over a year, however, he was recalled to India, and there given a unique task—the first viceroy to India. Canning determined to impress the natives by a pomp and display dear to their own hearts, and show the majesty of England by holding a series of derbers or triumphal processions. These extended right across India from city to city for a thousand miles. To Roberts was assigned the important task of arranging all the details of the tour, and he did it with characteristic thoroughness. It was like moving a mammoth circus, what with elephants, tents, supplies of all kinds, and gorgeous trappings to be handled. These derbers lasted for six months, and the viceroy not only complimented Roberts for his work, but gazetted him for the rank of brevet major. The next few years were much of a piece, a routine of office and field work which if it brought nothing sensational to the conscientious young officer still kept his feet in the path of glory it was not until the year eighteen seventy five that he reached the goal for which he had long striven quartermaster-general of the army in india which carried with it the rank of major-general with this title his larger work in india may be said to have fairly begun for nearly twenty years longer his military career was to be continued there and in the neighbouring country of afghanistan It is all recounted in his forty-one years in india a recital of constant adventure and interest for his services he was made a peer of england receiving the title of baron roberts of Kandahar. an address presented to him by the native and english residents on his leaving india is worth repeating the history of the british empire in india has not at least in the last thirty years produced a hero like your lordship whose soldier-like qualities are fully known to the world the country which has been the cradle of indian invasions came to realize the extent of your power and recognized your generalship the occupation of kabul and the glorious battle of candahar are amongst the brightest jewels in the diadem of your lordship's baronage terrible in war and merciful in peace your excellency's name has become a dread to the enemies of england and lovely to your friends that last phrase lovely to your friends is a true though oriental summing up of one great secret of robert's renown He has been called the best-loved soldier of England, and he possessed in an especial degree the power of attracting and holding the love and respect of the East Indians. They felt that he would always deal fairly by them. When he went to Mandalay in 1886, he saw that if he wished to win the confidence of the people of Upper Burma, he must win over the Buddhist priests. This he did, and even persuaded his government to pension the three head priests. They showed their gratitude, he says by doing all they could to help me, and when I was leaving the country, the old Sathana Bain accompanied me as far as Rangoon. We corresponded till his death, and I still hear occasionally from one or other of my Fungi friends. As for his own soldiers, they came fairly to worship him. To them he was not a lord or general or field-marshal, but just bobs and our bobs. Wellington commanded the respect of his men, but Roberts their love. Lord Roberts... Well, he's just a father, is the testimony of one gunner in the South African war. Often goes around hospital in Bloemfontein, and it's, Well, my lad, how are you today? Anything I can do for you? Anything you want? And never forgets to see that the man has what he asks for. Goes to the hospital train. Are you comfortable? Are you sure you're comfortable? Then it's buck up, buck up, to those who need it. But when he sees a man dying, it's, Can I pray with you, my lad? I've seen him many a time praying with not a dry eye near, tears in his eyes and ours. He is a lord. A favourite story about him relates to an audience with Queen Victoria. The famous veteran was then sixty-eight, and for several years had been living in retirement. Now his sovereign asked him to buckle on his sword again, and go to retrieve the fallen British fortunes in South Africa. "'You do not think that you are too old for this arduous task?' asked the Queen. "'You are not afraid of your health breaking down?' I have kept myself fit, replied the old soldier, for the past twenty years, in the hope that I might command in such a campaign as this. The remark, I have kept myself fit, is a keynote of his life. The puny boy of the long ago was to survive this campaign with flying colours, and to lend his counsel in the great war of our own time. It was a long life and full of service. In an address to a children's school, when a man of eighty, he summed up his creed by saying, in the first place, don't be slack in anything that you are doing, whether it be work or play. Do it with all your might. You will find that this great empire can only be maintained by the exercise of self-denial, by training, by discipline, and by courage. Important dates in Robert's life: 1832, September 30th. Frederick Roberts born. 1845, entered Eton School. 1847, Entered Military College at Sandhurst. 1852 Went as 2nd Lieutenant of Bengal Artillery to India. 1857 Fought in the Mutiny and won Victoria Cross. 1858 Returned to England on leave. 1859 Sent back to India, Major. 1875 Quartermaster General of Army of India. 1885 Commander-in-Chief in India. 1891 Created a peer. 1895. Created Field Marshal. 1900. South African Campaign. 1901. Commander in Chief of British Army. 1914. November 14. Died in France. End of Roberts Part 2. Recording by Shiromi Arserio. Shiromi.net